0: For today. But my text today comes from a, from a familiar verse of scripture found in Exodus chapter 12. And you know, really, the Lord did something this week because I, I was prepared with a word and I, that I thought I had and I thought it was in His will. And then uh, about Thursday evening or Thursday afternoon, as I'm sitting there writing it out and typing it up, you know, if you looked at my notes, you, you'd see a little. I just end. There's, a, there's an unfinished word somewhere on the page. I just, I just stopped and I closed my laptop and I just walked away and I, you know, I went back to the praying board because I believed in that moment that the Lord was kind of taking me in a different direction. I didn't know what direction. Amen. But then He gave me this word, but it comes from a familiar verse of Scripture. And here we see the Lord speak to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, and we know that this story would be really the beginning of Israel's Exodus. And beginning of their uh, their becoming a nation. And the Bible says that the Lord told them that this month shall be unto you the beginning of months to be the first month of the year for you. It's funny how God specifically demarcates the beginning of their time. Like a wedding anniversary, he says this month is the month that you need to remember. This is the this is the beginning. This is the month of months, the first months of the year for you. Amen. Then the Lord tells them in verse 4 through 10 of Exodus chapter 12, and he gives specific instructions on how to obtain a spotless lamb, how to prepare it with bitter herbs and sprinkle the blood of it, of the lamb on the side posts and the upper door posts. Of course, we know I'm talking about the Passover and he he tells them to consume every morsel of the lamb and what they couldn't consume. They were to burn it with fire. And not allow any of it to go to waste. I want to begin here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11 through 13, now that we're all caught up. It says here in verse 11, and thus shall ye eat it, talking of the lamb, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Everybody say Passover. Passover. For I will pass through. Ooh, that got loud. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Everybody say pass over, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. With the Lord's help, I just want to preach this to you this this morning. The obvious virtue of being overlooked. The obvious virtue of being overlooked. I mean, I, I, I can tell a story here. I know that many of us might be able to relate to this story. There was a time when I was gearing up and graduating from college. And the big thing that you do when you, when you finish pharmacy school is you try your best to find a residency program. You try your best to, to, to do something different than, than community pharmacy and retail pharmacy. You know, you look for residency programs in hospitals and uh, clinics and, and whatnot. And I remember trying my hardest to, I applied to three, to three in, in particular. And I said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to do this residency program, I only want to do it at the VA. Uh, because I loved how the VA sort of operated and, and the autonomy they give pharmacists in, uh, there to, to see vets and uh, military personnel and to kind of work through their, their, their treatment plans and whatnot. So I wanted to do this, I, and I applied to three of them, one out in Hawaii, that, that would have been awesome. <laughs> Be there for two years, spend some time, you know, on the beach studying, <laughs> right? But I didn't get it. I I tried out and and applied to one out in Arizona. Uh, My wife and I spent one of our favorite anniversaries actually in Arizona, Uh, but I didn't get that one either. And then it came down to the last one, one in Tallahassee. And uh, this would have been actually my preferred spot because it would mean that I would hang around in Tallahassee for a little while. That was my my home church where the truth was preached to me. Uh, So I would be there for at least another two years, maybe three. And I applied. The interview went well. And I uh, thought I had it, had a good shot, but I didn't get that one either. And I just remember in that moment feeling overlooked, feeling like I just, you know, I gave it my all. I, you know, Lord, I, I, I tried everything I could. I thought that this was in your will for me to be here, to be in this place, to continue working in this city, to, to continue and, and stay connected with what the work is here in Tallahassee or there in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, and I just remember just feeling defeated. I remember feeling defeated, and I know some of us can relate to that. Maybe it's a promotion that we're after, or a or a, or a job after college, or you know, or a position somewhere in the world that we've we've given in our all, we've 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 tried our best yeah. to be a part of this whatever organization you're you're trying to be a part of, whatever promotion you're going after. But in the end, you feel overlooked. You feel as if all of your hard work didn't pay off. You feel as if you didn't get what you deserved. Right. Now, we know this story as of Passover as the beginning uh, of the feasts of unleavened bread. And, and they were to have no leaven for seven days. But it's also the festival of the victim. It's also the celebration of a sacrifice offered on account of the sparing of the people. This sacrifice of the animal atones for the sin of the people. The blood sprinkled on the doorframe frame purifies those within. And the eating of the sacrificial meat sanctifies those who consume it. It's a, it's a familiar story, one where we see two aspects of God's character in action. We see his judgment and we see his mercy. On one hand, we see his judgment in, in intentional and relentless We see his judgment as scary and specific, but on the other hand, we see his grace. We see his mercy, again, intentional and relentless, undeserving and beautifully administered. And I want to, if I can, contrast here for you, if you've ever had that experience where you felt overlooked in the world. Or you felt like you didn't get what you deserve. The the pain that that causes. And the the, the misery that that might cause you. The frustration and downright depression that that might cause you. But on the other hand here you have it where God chooses to overlook your sin. He chooses to overlook the judgment that he wants to pass your way. You see in in this overlooking. When God overlooks. The, the judgment that we all deserve. And he decides to, to cast his grace and to cast his mercy. That's a that's an overlooking that I want to be a part of. That's a Passover that I want to be a part of because it sets me up to have access to his blessings. It sets me up to have access to eternal life. It sets me up to receive the promise as we'll see the Israelites had. It's not a it's not an overlooking that creates depression. It's an overlooking that creates joy. It's an overlooking that creates connection to a God who loves our soul. There's a difference when the world overlooks you compared to when God chooses to overlook and not give you what we deserve. You see, in this story, we see his judgment. Look at Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 30. It says, and it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat. On his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and the firstborn of the cattle and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not one house where there was not one dead. Every house in Egypt had at least one dead because of God's judgment. Can we trust as we read this story and we look at it and and those who are unaware and unfamiliar with the mercy and the grace of God, they might read the story and think to themselves, what a terrible God. What a terrible God to 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 kill the firstborn. Why not? Why not not the fathers? Why not? Why not take out Pharaoh himself? Why, 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 why the babies, Lord? Why the children? Why the kids? Can we trust As Revelation said as brother Adam pointed out this morning that God judges in righteousness when we read these stories can we truly trust the word when it says that my answer is yes we can because you see as I stated earlier this judgment was intentional yes it was relentless yes it was specific yes it was scary but it was intentional it was done on purpose you have to understand that that in this moment God's judgment was a response to the way Pharaoh had dealt with his people for generations. How they would would feed the Israelite children to the Nile River in an effort to prevent an uprising. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that this act of judgment was also an attack on the Egyptian culture. Their way of life was built around the firstborn. Their way of life was built around the firstborn and ensuring that this child would grow up and take on the mantle. Take on and rule the kingdom. Pharaoh himself was the firstborn of a firstborn of a firstborn. right? And he ruled with a wicked hand. Their way of life was built around this, this idea. And so God's indictment on the Egyptians was this. You found pleasure in wickedness. You found joy in murdering the future. I have found you guilty. My judgment, no doubt, you will understand. I am taking your life. And I'm taking your future with my hand, your culture, ruined your politics, ruined your economic efforts, ruined, because when you encounter God's judgment, it will end in your ruin. It will end in your damnation. When you encounter God's intentional judgment, this is what we deserve. Why? Because he is a righteous judge. He is a righteous God so he doles out what we deserve but just when they thought they had won the egyptians they thought they won the battle they thought that the ninth plague was all that god had to dole out they thought that the ninth plague was the the only thing that god had in his pocket in his arsenal just then enter the death angel to pass through egypt but to pass over goshen you see when he when he decides to pass through when he decides to exact judgment You better be sure that you're out of the way. You better be sure that you're under the blood so that his judgment will pass over you. You better be sure that you're right with God so that his judgment will pass over you. Because he is a sovereign God, because he is a righteous judge, when he decides to overlook your sin, as he does every day, each and every day that we are awake, the very fact, and I've said this before, that we are breathing, folks, is an act of mercy. Because what we deserve, he is not giving to us. What we deserve, he is not giving to us. His judgment is swift. That's why he told the people to have your loins girded, your shoes on your feet. Eat the lamb in haste. Don't waste the lamb and don't be found wasting time. Don't be found wasting time, church. Don't be found wasting time dabbling in, in the ways of this world. Because when God's judgment comes on this world right. and it will come. Right. We heard Adam teach this morning. The king is coming. Yes. Yes. The king is coming. Right. Yes. yes, he's going to come with a strong hand. Yes, he's going to come with judgment. Where will you be found? All right. yeah. Where will you be found when his judgment shows up on the scene? Yeah. Will you be found under the blood or will you be found with the pass through? Right. Right. Will his judgment right. smack you in the face? Right and give you exactly what we deserve. So I thank God this morning for the other aspect of this story. And this is where I wanna spend my time. I wanna thank God for his mercy. Amen. I wanna thank God for his mercy. Because when he passes over, when he decides to overlook what we've done, each and every day, what the Bible says, his mercies are new each morning. Every morning you wake up, there's an act of mercy on your life. There's the, there's the blood being splattered over the doorposts of your life. Every morning you wake up, his mercies are new. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Yes. Amen. To find help in the time of need. Why is God's decision to overlook so virtuous? Well, isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious? As the scripture says, he knows everything. He knows his word, his, his, his judgment. There is no creature that is manifest. There is no creature living on this earth that God does not know. His eyes are open to them. They are naked before him. God knows everything about each and every one of us. And yet still, he gives us mercy. How is it that a God like that can give us mercy? Mercy. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't give me mercy. Yes, mom. If I knew everything about you, you wouldn't, I wouldn't give you mercy. Right. Right. So it's obvious that it's, a, it's virtuous. Why? Because it's it, it exceeds far above every moral standard that we have. Amen. Yeah. We can't deal on the level that God deals when it comes to mercy. Right. We can't deal on the level that he deals with. Right. I had a conversation with my wife here recently, and, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest in this moment. We've, we've got some, some troubled individuals in my family. Who doesn't? Yeah. That's right. yeah. Who doesn't? But see, when, when this conversation involved my wife really not understanding how to interact with this individual. And I looked at her and I, and I said, Well, she said to me, well, you know, what's your approach? How can you, how do you interact with this individual? And I said to her, well, you know, just super spiritual. I just treat him the way Jesus treats me. I just treat him the way God treated me. That's right. That's hard. How can you, how can you put yourself in the mind of God? To say, I'm going to treat every person I come in contact with, mm, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. though they hurt me, yes. Yes. though they may harm me, right. though they may curse me, yes. right. I'm going to treat them the way Christ treated me. Yes. Maybe I'm speaking to a group of people who never needed mercy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Maybe I'm speaking to a group of people who've never needed forgiveness. Maybe I'm speaking to a group of people who've never understood or never, never needed God's grace and mercy on their life. So you you wouldn't understand what I'm saying here. But I was one who needed his mercy. I was one and am one who needs his grace each and every day that I wake each and every day that I walk on this earth. I need his mercy. I need his grace. So it's a challenge, church. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to interact with people on that level that God has interacted with us. It's not impossible. Because when you call to mind what he did for you. Right. and When you call to heart what he did for you and what he didn't do to you because of his mercy. Because of his grace. Come on now. Makes it all the more easier to obtain. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. That we may obtain mercy, not judgment, not wrath, which is what we deserve, but mercy. That we may find mercy in the time of need. What's the need? The need is now. The need is daily. The need is hourly. Amen. amen. The need is now. There's so much power in this this one group of verses. Scripture says, come, draw near with confidence. First off, the only thing we're ever confident of is what we know for sure. What we know for sure. I know for sure that I'm going to go home today and I'm going to take a nap. I'm confident in that fact. (laughs) Confidence. Boldly. Boldly. I'm confident in that fact. But how can we know for sure whether or not God will be merciful enough to forgive us? Scripture says, come with with confidence to the throne of grace. Come with confidence to the throne of grace. How can we know that he's going to give us that grace and that mercy in that time? Well, the rest of the verses explain that, but we'll get there. But first, we have to understand what we're approaching. We're approaching the throne right. of grace. Yes, right, right. We're approaching the throne of grace. Contrast. Now watch this. If there is a throne of grace, there obviously is a throne of judgment. Now I'm not saying that God has two thrones in heaven. But what I am saying is, as we know, he loves to deal in modes. Yep. Yep. He's a modal God. Yep. Oh, yeah. okay? So he'll take off the grace hat. Right. Right, yeah. He'll take off the mercy hat. Yep. Yep. And he'll put on that judgment hat. Right. And he'll dole out exactly what we deserve. So we're not approaching the throne of judgment. We're approaching the throne of grace. Job would say it this way in Job 23 and 3. Oh, that I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. You see, Job longed to find the throne of grace. And yet he felt like he kept experiencing the throne of judgment over and over and over again. But he said this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I I trust him. Though I don't see the throne of grace in my calamity, I'm going to trust him. Though all I feel is his judgment, I'm going to trust him. (laughs) Though all I feel is his wrath, I'm going to trust him. But I can hear Job calling out from the past saying, don't neglect the throne of grace. He's saying to us, don't take for granted, church. Don't take for granted the throne of grace. Take up grace while it may be had. Take up grace while it's available. Approach with boldness the throne of grace. Be confident in the fact that when we come to a gracious God, he's going to give us his mercy and not what we deserve. His mercy is what we don't deserve. He's not going to give us what we do deserve, which is his wrath. Scripture says this, because we approach a holy high priest which understands our infirmities. This is why we are able to approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence, with boldness and with confidence. Look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. So let's take out all those double negatives, the no's and the nots and the not-nots. What is it saying? It's saying this, we have a high priest that in all ways was tempted and yet without sin. That's how we know we can approach the throne of grace. Why? Because he can relate to us. He experienced our infirmities. He experienced our troubles. He experienced the famine, spiritual famine out in the desert as the devil tempted him. And yet he was without sin. So you're not you're not approaching a God who don't know what you're going through. Right, right. You're approaching a God who understands exactly where you are. Yeah. That's how we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. That He will give us His mercy. We have to understand. We have to understand that when mercy is realized, only when mercy is realized can mercy be multiplied. Only when mercy is realized can mercy be multiplied. As I alluded to earlier, we neglect to give others mercy because we haven't realized or maybe we've forgotten the mercy that God has given us. Who are you to withhold mercy and compassion from the person whom you feel is undeserving? Who are you? Ask yourself that. Go ahead. Who are you to say to yourself, this person, thank you. It's been playing for the last 20 minutes. I don't know if y'all heard it that music was playing. Y'all didn't hear it? Yeah. Okay, well, I just called it out. <laughs> <Your hair sticks. laughs> Amen. Well, hear the voice of the Lord. Who are you to say to, to the person who is undeserving, the person who hurt you, the person who stabbed you, the person who did the, 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 the unthinkable to you? Who are you to say they, they are undeserving? Right. Yeah. I said this before. I believe with every fiber of my being, yes, Judas had and, and and you know we're 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 talking about the Passover. We're talking about the Last Supper. We're talking about the crucifixion. I believe with every fiber of my being that if Judas had asked for forgiveness, despite his role right. yeah. in bringing about the crucifixion, yes. Jesus would have given it to yes. him. Right. Yeah. Amen. The one who did the unthinkable—right, yeah. right, sure—betrayed right. the Savior yeah. for just a few coins, right. and then didn't even spend it. Like, dude, come on now. Yeah, right. You, gave, you tried to give it back to the money changers. Yeah. At least go, I mean, buy a house or something. I mean, steak. Yeah. Yeah. Something. He didn't even spend it. Right. But I believe, I believe if he had asked for forgiveness, God would have oh, yeah. forgiven him. That's the gospel according to Matt, and I have no Bible for that. But I believe that because that's the way yeah. God deals. Yes. He deals in judgment, but he also deals in mercy. Yeah. And right now we are in the dispensation of grace. If you want the grace, now is the time to have it. Yes. now is the time to seek it now is the time to approach with boldness and with confidence the throne of grace Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, 32 and be ye kind one to another tender hearted that word means compassionate forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sakes hath forgiven you it's not a curse word for Christ's sakes right. he has forgiven you uh, who are you to withhold mercy and compassion Colossians 3, verse 12, verse uh, through 13, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also ye do so also you do. You got to ask yourself, why, why bowels of mercy? why bowels of mercy I get some laughs at that why bowels those words are intentional you see when you you, and y'all stay with me on the bowels if you feel something you act if you feel something you act So too, when we feel compassion, we are encouraged and told to feel compassion. Bowels of mercy, feel compassion. You see, there is no difference in the Bible between compassion and mercy. It's the same. And that word, the the Greek word specifically comes from, or, or the Greek word compassion, compassionate compassion, comes from the word that literally means bowels. So when you, when you feel yeah. that compassion, yeah. you act. Yeah. Compassion is not a stagnant stance. Right. Compassion is a, is a, and mercy is it requires an action. Yeah. Right. It requires you to act. Right. It requires you to act. The scripture says that if any man have a quarrel, do what Christ did for you. What did he do? He overlooked the eternal struggle that we have. Amen. He overlooked the sin that was caused by humanity. He, he overlooked, yes. He, yes. <sighs> yes. All right. he overlooked your sin Wonderful. and he's doing it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't even realize it, but he's doing it right now. Yes. Yes. He's overlooking our sin as he's, as he's gone away to prepare a place for us. <sighs> He's overlooking our sin. He's not ignoring our sin. There's a difference. He's choosing to say you deserve judgment, but instead I'm going to give you mercy. You deserve my wrath, but instead I'm going to give you mercy. We talk about the Passover. These people, these, these obstinate group of people who come out of Egypt, not, not knowing God in slavery for some 400 years, not knowing their God, not knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not knowing him, these obstinate people, sinful living among the Egyptians, adopting their way of life, living their life in an oil can, as I like to say, living their life in, in, in sin. Pagan and and, and, and idolatry involved in all which manner of things that has nothing to do with God. And God says, go to your place, go to your home, go to your house, do these three things. Get you a lamb, sacrifice it, spread its blood over your posts, eat it in haste. I'm going to pass over you. I'm going to, I'm going to overlook where you are right now. And I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you grace. Yes, and, mm. and, 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 uh, Jesus. <sighs> Let's all stand today. Mm. The truth is, the Passover, as a historical event, possesses so much power. So much prophetic power. We know that it points to the work that Christ would do. But church, would you hear me today? Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place today. Right. Jesus. As pastor talked about this morning, about repentance, turning away, turning the other way, yes. deciding to 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 walk in a different direction. Yes. Right. Don't leave this place having heard this word. Knowing that God is a merciful God right now. Knowing that He is deciding to overlook and to pass over our sin and offer us mercy and grace. Knowing that and choosing to live continually in sin. Brother Adam spoke a word this morning when he said, The King is coming. He's coming. And there's coming a time when this Passover principle will no longer be in effect. I can hear again the the quiet and still of that dark and cold night. As that, that death angel, the sound pierced the sky. Not a cricket could be heard. Not a bird could be heard. Because death was on the horizon. Judgment was on the horizon, but so was mercy. Recognize that we are just moments away, just moments away from that trumpet sounding, moments away from Jesus saying, that's it, it's time to go. Moments away from him calling us home. There was not one in the, the Bible says, there was not one in the house, not one in the Egyptian home. Not one house rather, where at least one wasn't killed. At least one had experienced the judgment of God. So I have a question for you today. Will your house be the only house on the block where nobody's touched? Will your house be the only house on the block where God's mercy passes over? And instead of experiencing his judgment, you experience his mercy. You know what, Colin, I, I, I don't I don't feel it right now, brother. I, I, I feel the Lord is calling each and every one of us Amen. to repent in this moment. Amen. So would you would you come down? Would you come down to join us? Because I want to open up these altars because I believe that this word was for us in this moment. God didn't change his mind in the middle of the week for no reason. I want us to repent today. Because there's been a repeating theme over and over and over in this service. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's a family. I don't know if it's an individual. But you need to understand that you are in the moment of grace. You are in in an opportunity to experience a change in your walk. To experience a change in the progression and the way that you are going. This is your moment to have your sins overlooked to have his spirit pass over you. The Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55 says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Come on, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I wish that each of you would, would grab your family in this moment. Grab your family in this moment. Say, God, I thank you. Thank you for overlooking and passing over my sin. Passing over, hallelujah, with mercy and with grace. Deciding to give to me mercy instead of judgment. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that as we remember. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit aphiduschurch.com. Thank you for being a part.